Welcome, episode 115 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing proper form for back extensions, improving your push-up strength, shin splints while running, and hook grip versus mixed grip for deadlifts. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, Achievers. So it's episode 115. Uh, We had a good weekend, right? Well, actually, yeah. no, you didn't, actually. I was sick. <laughs> you, you were definitely <laughs> like, ill. Yeah, no, it was an awesome weekend. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, Kendrick got me sick. I was He, he got a cold last week, and then I, I got it hard on Friday. Yeah, I think you, you had a little bit of it, and then you kind of fought it off for a second, and then he had two nights in a row where he just was not sleeping because he was sick, Yeah. and then it was kind of all over for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to, I, we were joking that we used to be able to fight off colds a lot easier when we actually like yeah. slept and ate well. And, <laughs> Those you know. little things. Those little um, things. And then actually your mom came on Wednesday, and she got sick as well. Yeah. So yeah, a lot, a lot of it spread. I think actually I had it the least, I but I managed to spread it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I managed to spread it to everyone else. So nice. Um, yeah, but we, we celebrated your mom's um birthday yeah her birthday is next weekend on st patrick's day Day. but we celebrated a week early but we did do a boiled dinner that's what they always because she's a st patrick's day birthday oh i didn't tell you this but i just found out that uh michaela one of our coaches her mom is also born on st patrick's day whoa we we had no idea that's so crazy and come to uh, like she was uh michaela was like yeah her name is actually patty Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? She's like Irish woman named Patty. That's and awesome. The first she wasn't like surprised at all that Leslie and Patty shared the same birthday. She was like why isn't Leslie's name Patty then? <laughs> it's like another initial. It's a very good question. It's a very good question. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask my grandfather if he can answer that for, yeah. us, for us. Um, all right. Should we get into the questions? Yes. Cool. So we have four questions today. So bonus for today. Um, the first one's from Colleen Fitz 37 and she said, I just went deep into your post looking for lower back extension form because I always feel it in my lower back when I want to feel it in my glutes more. Do you have a video on proper form somewhere? Do you want to explain what the lower back, lower back extension is? So I'm assuming what she's talking about is there's a, it's a back extension machine that basically you're like kneeling on it. Um, is that uh, the one no, or you're is standing. it you're standing? Yeah, you're standing. Oh, okay, you're standing and you're hinging at the hips mm-hmm. and then you're like hinging forward and then coming back up to standing. Yeah, there's right? like some some sort of like cushion Like basically. a pad at your hips. Yeah, right? that your hips are resting at. Yeah. And so you're kind of like folding over and then coming up to a whatever posture that you're trying to get up right. to. Um, now we see this quite a bit, especially recently, um, in terms of like being a, a glute developer, right? Right. Um, you know, traditionally, it, I mean, it is called a lower back extension machine, and traditionally people use it to develop their lower back. But now people have found out a, a little bit of a way to make it more of like a like a like a supported hinge movement almost, yeah. so that they end up working their glutes. Um, so the thing that you want to focus on is as you're going through the motion, is to try to keep your hips in more of a tucked position. If they're in more of an extended position, then your lower back is going to be more prone to uh, additional stress. The other thing to note is that as you go through the movement, you only want to go up to a point where you end up being in like a straight line at the top of the movement. A lot of people will arch their backs to get a little bit more range of motion, thinking that gets a little bit more of a glute squeeze, which it kind of does, but again, places a little bit more stress on the lower back than we'd like for the purposes of this exercise. Yeah, I think that the the go-to is um, once you're like in that folded position to lead by opening up your chest and pulling your shoulders yeah, back so first. True. Yeah. So if you think about keeping everything connected, 
like keeping your ribs down as you pull back up, that's going to make it a lot more glute focused because yep. your torso is kind of like staying neutral. Um, and so you have to use your glutes. But if you let your chest open up and your shoulders pull back first, then your lower back is going to be what's kind of pulling you back to standing. Right. So. One way we like to, um, uh, to load the exercise is to actually hug a weight. So like hug mm -hmm. like a 10 pound plate or a 25 pound plate. Or even better, a medicine ball, because that really makes you kind of like wrap your arms around it. And when you do that, it makes it much more difficult for you to open up and extend at your rib cage, extend your lower back, and it keeps you in more of like this hollow position, which is what we want because we want the abs engaged, because we want the lower back to be in a little bit uh, less of a engaged state. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that should help. All right. Second one is from Becca underscore salty. <laughs> Great handle. Um, she said, I was wondering if I could get your help on something I'm struggling with. I'm having issues getting my depth in my push-ups. I find certain depths easy. Then I go to say the second stair in a push-up and I struggle to get myself back up without losing my form. Can I get some help on how I can greatly increase my strength? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a great question. So there's, we have sort of a couple different ways that we approach in improving push-up strength. And it sounds like what she's doing is an incline push-up right now, yeah, um, which, is great. which is great because that's what we definitely recommend is instead of doing push-ups from your knees where you're just kind of like cutting half of your body out of the equation, we always recommend instead put, put, putting your hands up on something like an elevated surface. So that makes it a little bit easier, but you're still going through the full range of motion and you're still, your whole body is kind of engaged. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's great that she's doing that. And so I think what she's struggling with is like the lower she gets, she's not able to go all the way yeah. down. I think there's a little bit of like a, like an in-between area where you get pretty low on the incline push-up, and you're like close to the floor, but not quite ready to do the floor, but there's not a great way to progress from the incline push-up. So there's a little bit of a yeah. gray area. Yeah. You want to talk about the two exercises we like to use? So one is like to the to the Eric's pad or to a block. Yeah, Eric's pad and eccentrics. And then eccentrics. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Those are just making sure we we're actually on the same page. <laughs> um, so one is to do um, a slow lower down. So this is called, or a slow eccentric, which is the lowering down portion of the push-up. So take away the incline, put your hands just on the floor, and you're gonna go as slow as you can and lower your chest toward the floor. And you're gonna get all the way down so that your chest, your whole body basically touches the floor at the same time. And then you're just gonna use your knees to push yourself back up and get back into the top of a plank position. Yep. So it's really the only thing you're doing is controlling the way down, but not working, worrying about the pushing yourself back up part. Yeah, and I think the key there is you talked about your whole body should touch the floor at the same time. You yep. don't want your hips to touch first, you don't want your chest to touch first, Try to make it make it so that most of your body weight ends up being on the floor at the same rate and at the same time. Yes, that that ensures that you're keeping that like good plank position throughout. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of that's gonna help you get more comfortable because it sounds like she's having a hard time at the bottom. Um, and right. so what you'll notice when you start doing eccentrics is you might be able to control it, control it, and then you might get to a point where you feel like you're you're you just like kind of like plopping. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's okay in the beginning, but as much as you can, you just want to keep working on that control all the way down. Yeah. Um, a, another then the other drill we like here is to put either like a yoga block or um, some sort of a mat or pad underneath where your chest is gonna hit on the mm -hmm. floor. And you're going to do a push-up just to that point. So you just go to the, touch the yoga block and then press back up. So it's not, you're not in an incline anymore, but you're not having to do that full range of motion push-up. Um, so yeah. it's kind of, and then combining those two drills together will help you build strength at the bottom and at the top. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of attack it from both ends. Um, we use um, uh, these pads called Airx pads. They're like yeah. the blue pads that we show in our Instagram videos. Uh, but we typically start from three pads and then we reduce the height to two and then to one and then they're doing full push-ups um, towards the floor. But it's a way to kind of like 
yeah, just kind of work your way down lower um, while simultaneously on the other day doing uh, eccentrics to get the full range benefits. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Question number three is from Nico underscore F underscore Rue. <laughs> and he said, uh, it's truly a kind... Oh, well, he said some nice things. I don't need to read that. But um, said some nice words and then said, I'm trying to get into running and I get terrible sh uh, shin splints that eventually travel down to my feet. Do you have a post already to address this or can you talk about it on the podcast? Okay. That's a good question. Um, the reason why we haven't really talked about this in our Instagram channel is because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances when it comes to shin splints. So the first thing that we want to address is your overall running technique, and so we won't really get into like that sort of nitty gritty. Like we'd rather have you probably have someone look at you in person, so a running coach of some sort. The general gist is that we want your stride and your weight each time you strike to be somewhere in like the midfoot to forefoot region. Like you shouldn't be completely up on your toes, and you shouldn't be heel striking. Somewhere in between those two kind of extremes is the best way to be able to absorb force and also efficiently transfer force and produce force and to actually propel yourself forward. So number one would be just overall running technique first, right? right? Yeah. Uh, number two, what we'd want to look at is your overall um, ankle mobility. So the stiffer your ankles are, the more they serve almost as brakes as opposed to a joint that's supposed to fluidly absorb and produce force. So if they're really stiff, it's gonna be very jarring of a motion because they're so locked up. So ankle mobility is the next one that we want to address. Um, I'll link in the show notes are, we've got a complete guide to ankle mobility on our YouTube channel, which I'll link in the show notes. And then the third piece to all this is um, having an appropriately managed running plan. So you wanna make sure that you know, you can have the best running technique in the world. You can have the greatest ankle mobility in the world. However, if you start off on a running program where you're starting from zero miles and then the next day you're running six miles, like you're going to have some issues. You're going to run into some overuse stuff. And sometimes that's shin splints. Sometimes that's stress fractures. Like there's a lot of things that might pop up. Um, but you want to make sure that the running plan is very scalable to you. And so... You could pick up like I think like even like a couch to five k like that thing yeah, program really is pretty program. sound yeah. like but if you're worried about shin splints and they popped up quite a bit in the past just drag it out uh, like double it so whatever recommendations it has for week one do the same recommendations for week two and then finally the next week you can actually move on to quote unquote week two in week three if that makes sense, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but just draw it out like that and that gives your body a chance to adapt to the stressors and make sure that it doesn't run into an overuse. Um, issue but yeah. that's kind of like the triple approach that I would recommend yeah and I think that everything you said um kind of just to talk about this as an overarching theme is it's all about sort of addressing things up front before the shin splints actually happen that's very true um, yeah because a lot of times people are like what do I do for shin splints and I want to find like stretches or do I ice it or whatever and it's yeah. like once you are in the state of kind of having shin splints it's probably like it's, you're not just going to be able to like stretch them out totally. and keep doing what you've been doing. Like you, you have to address something movement wise or stride wise or mobility wise in order to keep it from just continuing to happen again. Yeah. Um, so you could go and get a massage on your anterior tibs and you could go and you can ice and you can do all this stuff, but they're going to keep coming back if you don't address these kind of foundational issues. Yeah. Very so, true. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good point. Because I think people are like, Oh, do I just use like a lacrosse ball on it and it just yeah. magi magically disappears. But yeah, there's a lot more upfront work in order to make sure that it doesn't happen in the first place. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. And then our final question comes from Carrie Van Moles. And they said, I scrolled back a ways but couldn't find a post on hook grip versus reverse grip for deadlifts. I'd love some pointers. 
So um, I'm assuming they're talking about hook grip, meaning um, if you don't know what that is, it's basically your thumb is inside your palm before you grip the bar. No, you, um, you grip the bar. Well, you grip the bar, then put your thumb around it. Yeah. And then you use the rest of your fingers to grip your thumb. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like weird to like... Yeah, I didn't explain that well at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So, wait, so let's, let's say it one more time. So, so basically, you set up, you're about to grab the bar, you grab the bar and have your thumb placed normally, but you have your fingers wrap the bar and go on top of your thumb right. as opposed to your thumb going on top of your fingers. Right, right, right. right That's right. tough to explain. It is really hard to explain. Um, now, that's this, hook grip. Now, having said that, this is this is the most secure way to grab the barbell because not only do you have the thumb gripping the bar, but now you have your fingers on top of it gripping the bar. So it's like a double double whammy, basically. Yeah. Um, but having said that, it's tremendously painful up front, and <laughs> yeah. uh, even still, it's like not the most pleasant thing. Like when we're doing it with like heavier weights and stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I use it for Olympic lifts, but I yeah. just, I don't even use it for deadlifts because when it gets heavy enough, it just bothers me it's yeah it's, it it's not hurts. fun yeah um, so the and the the reverse grip i'm assuming they're talking about like a mixed grip meaning flipping one hand upside down and keeping one hand forward so a pronated yeah. and a supinated hand um we really like that grip because it's a little bit more secure than double overhand there's a certain point with deadlifts where double overhand grip the grip becomes your limiting factor yeah and you feel like you can lift a lot more with your legs but you're you're just the bar sliding into your fingers that's usually the the like indication that if you can keep deadlifting, but the bar starts to slide into your fingertips, mm -hmm. your grip is a limiting factor. Yeah. Um, we like the mixed grip because it is more secure, but there are definitely limitations to it. Mm -hmm. um, one of them being that it does throw you off of sort of a very even pattern, right? Yeah. So it makes one shoulder kind of come back a little further than the other. Yeah, so basically, whichever hand is flipped under, usually your dominant hand is your stronger hand when you flip it under. Um, when you flip it under, you actually uh, shorten that segment of your um, your arm, basically. Whereas the other side, the pronated side, the normal overhand side, um, is a little bit longer. So yeah, it does give you like a little bit like a torsion effect. Yes, yeah, like that you have to really asymmetry. fight against. Yeah, and you can fight against it. Like yeah. you can try, you can make sure that you're squaring your shoulders, and you can you just have to take your time in order to make sure you're doing that. It's not enough to just flip your grip and then deadlift the way you've been deadlifting like you yeah. just have to take some more time in the setup to make sure that your shoulders really are even to, to one another and that your hips are even yeah um so yeah that's the that's the mixed grip you know uh, let's just outline our general progression for how we go about doing it because we, we yeah, yeah we like to do double overhand first, we always right? start with double overhand because that's yeah. the most symmetrical it's the most like it's basically the most natural way you would you would grip an object like that so we start off there. Now, once the grip becomes a little bit of an issue, we'll actually recommend uh, chalk next, yep. right? Um, chalk next because more, more than likely they haven't really been, they, they haven't really needed the, uh, the use of chalk right. up front. But if they're starting to just get a little bit sweaty, slippery, but not like exactly. it's not like they can't hold the bar, then yeah, chalk would yeah. be helpful. After chalk, then we'll move on into a mixed grip. So we'll have one grip under. Um, and we'll actually recommend that they switch it every single set because we don't want to develop too large of an imbalance because we are mixed gripping. Yeah, like a professional powerlifter might actually always go to their dominant hand under and um, like every time that they compete, but they're probably, even they are probably still switching their grip every once in a while because it's just going to be, yeah, in their training, that's what I meant, sorry, because it's going to be, it's going to create too much of an imbalance if you're constantly doing one under. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely recommend switching. Um, and then from there, 
if they are in some sort of like a max out phase where they're trying to lift the most amount of weight possible, we might select some spots where they we only focus on their strongest grip, their most comfortable grip, and we'll train that for a couple weeks and make them max out that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's very selective point in their training process, but. Across the board, once you get to a point where you can't lift the weight double overhand, we just recommend switching uh, grips every single set with the mixed grip. Yeah, and then it's very rare that we recommend a hook grip. Just yeah. because for so many, for most people, it's just too uncomfortable. It's like not even, like even for me, like to go to max out my deadlift with a hook grip, I think I'd be worrying so much about my thumb that yeah. I would like not Your be able to actually lift. Off. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we recommend hook grips for Olympic lifting if people are getting a little more serious into Olympic lifting because it's you have to move the bar fast and a lot and it's just a, a more secure way of doing it yeah it's, it's almost mandatory for Olympic lifting yeah um but uh in any other circumstance we're probably not going to do it yeah it's just it's way too uncomfortable yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's about it yeah I think that explains it cool so, all right, I think those are all of our answers to your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for sending those in. And if you have questions of your own, you can DM us on Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston. And if you like the podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.